0: to Eldritch Girl. This bonus episode is just a bit of an update for things that I've got going on that I just wanted to let you know about. Um, so first of all, I've got the hardback edition of The Crows that's coming out. That's coming out with Amazon in the same way that the paperback is out with Amazon so KDP have got a beta version of the hardback now so I've just ordered a proof copy to see how it is um, it's going to be really cool it's got a new cover by Rebecca F Kenny who designed the cover for 13th Rebecca Kenny has her own cover design business as well um, and a Facebook group and you can find her at Rebecca F Kenny 1 the number one On Twitter. So she's designed some amazing covers for as as a set for the three novels that are coming out. Um, So The Crows 13th and the third one is The Day We Ate Grandad, and that's the novel that I'm working on right now. The hardback edition of The Crows will have that new cover. I've done a bit of a cover reveal uh, of the draft cover for um, my newsletter subscribers. If you haven't subscribed to my newsletter, it is free to subscribe to. Um, And you can find that in my Twitter profile and um, in the pinned tweet. And it's also on my card. So that's um, cmrosens.carrd.co. All of my links are pretty much plastered everywhere. So you can probably find them. Um, And you can also sign up on cmrosens.com as well to my newsletter. So it's there on my website, literally everywhere. Come and find me and sign up. And you get exclusives like that. Also with the hardback edition is an exclusive short story called Gerald and it's about how Gerald got his name. Um, it's from Ricky's point of view as a 10 year old um, so there are all of the obvious content warnings. If you've read The Crows, if you've listened to the podcast you will know Ricky's background and you'll know that you're, exper- you're expecting to have um a lot of child neglect, particularly cold maternal neglect. There's gore, there's obviously there's uh, taxidermy, bad taxidermy because of what Gerald is, Um, so that also involves um, the killing of animals and I guess uh, intense loneliness, um, a child's inability to recognise certain patterns or you know that kind of matter of fact tone that ricky has and you also see the development um, sort of the embryonic development of his disordered eating as a 10 year old as well in terms of his parents um, restricting food and restricting reward and restricting affection which later, of course, leads to him binging uh, and kind of doing things a little bit more. Uh, so sort of doing things to excess. So, yeah, so you have all of the start of that. Um, but it's the story of how Gerald got his name and and Ricky meeting um, a rather important mythological potentially uh potentially mythological character um who isn't named in the short story but it's um he's somebody that is hinted at that ricky knows about and thinks of as real in the crows in a couple of throwaway lines towards the end um, and is mentioned by name in 13th um, as somebody that ricky is kind of trying to emulate or trying to be better than so you get to see this this interaction from a a kind of a traumatized 10 year old's point of view there is also going to be a black and white map a sketch map of the town of pagamon sea and that is drawn by dewey hargreaves there is also the five original illustrations by thomas brown and those will also be in the hardback edition as well so that's going to be really fun. I've got four copies that I'm going to sign and put in book boxes. Those are going to be sold exclusively through my Kofi shop, um, which is ko-fi.com forward slash CM Rosens. Inside the book boxes, you're going to get some bespoke candles. <laughs> um, I've teamed up with Gemma Cartmel again, um, who do, who's the wonderful composer of the theme tunes for the podcast. But... In this case, um, Gemma has her Avalon Alchemy hat on. Avalonalchemy.co.uk is a company that sells vegan skincare and scented candle products. Um, And they have created two types of candles. One is the Pagamon Sea Candle, which is sea spray and peppermint. um, And that comes in a beautiful blue metallic tin. And the other one comes in a vintage china mismatched teacup and saucer and that's a fairwood house candle and it's earl grey tea and lavender scented so don't drink the tea but do light it (laughs) and it looks gorgeous i've got photos of it up on my instagram So if you want to go to cm.rosens on Instagram and see those, there are two book boxes that will have Fairwood House Candle in it and two book boxes with the Pagamon Sea Candle in it. And if you just want to get a candle or you want to get both, you can go to avalonalchemy.co.uk from January onwards and you'll be able to order through the shop directly so you can grab a candle from them. So i'm really excited about that i'll probably put in some other stuff as well like bookmarks um, and some maybe some handwritten cards as well so for those four book boxes and they're going to be retailing around about 35 pounds so you pick whichever one you want um, and i will send it out to you because of postage and packaging unfortunately that's going to be uk only um, if I do get an international buyer, please be aware that I may have to charge you extra for the postage, depending on where you are, because that could be quite expensive because of how heavy the box is going to be. But yeah, that's, that could be an option if you don't mind that. So that's the first thing. That's really cool. The second thing is that I have a short story coming out in an anthology. Yay! It's the Spooky by Association anthology, which is entitled The Uncanny and the Dead, which is uh, on themes of mortality, memory and transformation so mine is <laughs> mine has ended up being the longest one um for which I can only apologize in there and it's it's the last story in the anthology um and it is called the reluctant husband <laughs> kind of a riff on Georgette Hayer's the reluctant widow the title um but it's a, a kind of a lovecraftian parody I guess where the hero is, Uh, I say hero, he's not a hero at all. The protagonist, who is incredibly unlikable on purpose, is, of course, Nathan Montague Porter, who is a civil servant, a lapsed Anglican, (laughs) middle class, um, has possibly had something to do with the death of his fiancée, whom he was definitely not very nice to, and um, he is fascinated by the occult and the works of John Dee. Um, John Dee, of course, is a real person. John Dee was um, an Anglo-Welsh member of the Elizabethan court and um, very into alchemy and very into um, the idea of summoning angels and healing that rift between God and man in esoteric ways. Um, And uh, there's uh, a fantastic three-part series. I say fantastic, I mean... I quite enjoyed it. Um, there's a three-part series on Netflix called Requiem, which uses John Dee as an Anglo-Welsh figure, and it's a really good example, I think, of modern Welsh Gothic. So if you do see Requiem, um, let me know what you think, actually. I'd be really interested to find somebody else who's seen it, because I want to talk about it without spoiling it. Um, but anyway, so I'm I'm also using John Dee um, <laughs> in this. Um, And Nathan Porter meets Sir Jack or Sir John uh, Douglas Sorvont, who, of course, is mentioned in the Crows and the last owner, in fact, of the Crows of Fairwood House. And he um, is invited down to Fairwood House with Sir Jack. Um, and Sir Jack wants him to perform some interesting rituals um, for Sir Jack's own ends. Um, and there, of course, Nathan meets uh, <laughs> the sinister housekeeper Eileen Foreman and her niece Deirdre Wend, who is a chambermaid, um, and starts to realise that you know there is there is things going there are things going on that he obviously needs to meddle with, um, but shouldn't it's it's yeah it deals a lot with class um and social status and that kind of thing because that's kind of one of the most horrifying things to nathan about deirdre is that she's just so common um apart from the fact that she is actually a monster <laughs> but the title the reluctant husband and it kind of tells you what's going to happen there and also you know the fact that he's he's the nathan porter so you should also kind of know what's going to happen. So it's kind of the Genesis story of the Porter branch of the family. I hope it's fun to read. It's, uh, again, there's there's a lot going on in it and a lot of content warnings in it, including, um, again, so a psychologically and emotionally abusive relationship, very toxic relationship, both between Nathan and Adora, his um, late fiance. And uh, then between Nathan and Deirdre, uh, you also have a very kind of toxic misogynist, I guess, um, male point of view throughout. It's um, not a particularly <laughs> not a particularly nice head to be stuck in for the for the duration of the story, but yeah, it's it's again a story about terrible things happening to terrible people. So um, yeah, a lot obviously cannibalism and you know all the usual. So that's coming out in January. Um, It's currently being edited, uh, copy edited by Charlie Knight, and it features other stories as well. There is On Reflection by Michelle Tang, there's um, Hide and Seek by Ali Pino, The Dark Pursuit by Frank Rudiger-Lopez, which is in, uh, which has some Brazilian grammatical conventions, but is in US English, Um, So it's a mix of um, US or American English and British English in terms of the story content. There's Hitchhiker by Hester Steele. There's um, The Field Devours by Ezra Arndt, who is compiling the anthology. The Killing of Christian Pacey by Alice Scott and Gunslingers and Garlic by L.J. Thomas. There's probably loads more that I'm forgetting to tell you. Those two are the most important things. But I also want to mention that I've got Kofi tiers enabled now. So if you want to be part of the Eldritch family, which is the top tier at £5 per month, um, you get handwritten letters each month or postcards in character from the characters of the novels. And those letters are meant to be written in 2021 so they're kind of modern day contemporary times so it's an up it's kind of non-canonical i'm going to say because i i don't want to spoil anything for the arcs of the book that i haven't written yet and (laughs) any other stories i'm going to do but it's kind of um I'm using those letters as a way of exploring the slice of life kind of stuff, um, exploring the character arcs beyond the novels. And I'm also using them for story threads um, that explore what happens after the after the three novels are finished. I'm not saying I'm not going to do any more after that, but um, I'm not currently planning to do more um, than than the three. Uh, with those particular characters centred in them but I might do more sort of short stories and things like that and we'll see what happens never say never I guess Um, but the letters are going to be kind of a way of it of um, looking at what happens afterwards and they might help me kind of develop novel ideas or you know things later on and set them kind of a, a, a later date So uh, the November letter, which uh, went out this month, is from Carrie. Um, So October was a postcard inviting you to um, Fairwood House's Halloween party. um, And Carrie is saying that she's persuaded Ricky to leave for the evening so that she can have friends over. Um, And then the November letter is saying, sorry, you couldn't make the party. Um, Totally understand. The invite was very last minute. And then updating on what happened at that Halloween party um, and uh, hinting at some of the things that happened when uh, certain characters were in Fairwood House over lockdown in 2020 and having to share space together for several months. (laughs) Um, What basically happened over lockdown was that Wes uh, ended up being in lockdown at Fairwood House with Charlie and Hugo um, to get them out of London, basically, and out of the flat, which is a not very nice place to be shut up in for, you know, several months. And so they went down to Fairwood House, because at that point, Wes had sold the house in Pagamon Sea, um, to commit to being with his partners in London. Um, And, uh, you know, this kind of, yeah, just because Ricky was maybe going into a bit of a depression spiral. So the one thing that kind of he (laughs) the one thing carrie thought would be a good idea is if he had somebody around to antagonize him out of it which is a terrible plan um but it also kind of works um sort of and um katie is also in lockdown with them i think and so it's kind of the six of them um just (laughs) rattling around the seven bedroom house um which is fine uh and then you know, certain things develop and Ricky and Wes start getting on a little bit better and they start to coalesce a little bit better as a group. And there's still all the, you know, this this hasn't happened yet in the novels. It might not happen canonically at all, but it's just me kind of playing with ideas. So Carrie then updates you with um, some fun stuff that's happened. And she sort of, hints about things that Ricky does um, and the next letter that's going out which is the December letter is going to explain a bit about what the family do to celebrate Yule which is a hybrid made totally made up family tradition and it's made up by Beverly and her sisters and it's very much based on the Church of England's <laughs> things because they they are all sort of Anglican background as a family And so when the eldritch horror stuff all happens, they just adapt what they already know as a means of bonding the family through celebration and ritual. And they don't really know anything about creating rituals from scratch. So they just take what they know from the Book of Common Prayer and (laughs) liturgy and they just change the words and then they have sort of their own version of the Eucharist and they have their own versions of things that they recognize. And so their sacred day is on a Monday rather than, a, a you know, somebody else, rather than having it on somebody else's holy day. You know, they they have their own one. Um, and Monday obviously is moon day. So that makes kind of sense I guess for them to have that I'm sure it's probably Olive who came up with that because Olive Shaw was the one who was really interested in archaeology and she's the one that was interested in the long barrows and she's the one who was interested in fossils and all of that kind of stuff and um, so she's the one I think who would have developed the, the the rituals a little bit more and Beverly kind of adapted them later on when she discovered that a new soothsayer had been born in 1990. Um, and so some of the traditions that Ricky grew up with only exist because he exists and they're not family traditions at all. Um, and so that you know, it's the 12 days of Christmas, but it's Yule for them. And um, they don't call it Christ mass, obviously, but they kind of put it so that it covers the winter solstice as well. So it's kind of shifted around and they adopt a pattern of feasting and uh, (laughs) basically family bonding Um, and the rituals don't mean anything. They don't really do anything practically. It's literally just to um, get the family to get the family together and that sort of thing. Um, But it's all taken very seriously and then Ricky has to do bone readings and there's all of this, <laughs> like, you know, there's always three rabbits or something that they they kill and eat and they eat two of them. But they the third one is the one that he reads and they eat the other two symbolically. You know, everyone gets a tiny little bit of it or like a bone of it or something with the third one kind of scattered in the middle and like the bits of it, it is just grim um, and Ricky isn't supposed to partake of the actual feasting because he's meant to be an ascetic because that's what he was when the rituals were developed. So then it all culminates in a massive bonfire and Ricky tells the family the big picture kind of thing for the year ahead and then does individual bone readings and, and entrail readings and stuff on command, um, which is all very romano etruscan Uh, kind of stuff because that's the tradition that he sort of that that's the tradition that he follows is the the sort of very ancient roman ancient greek liver reading type thing that he does because again olive Shaw was very well versed in classical history um, and ricky has the gift of farsight and he could use that any way he wants Um, and he can see the future in omens and he can read the sky and he can read bird flight patterns and he can read Um, He can read it in the ground. He can read it in all sorts of things. He doesn't necessarily have to use entrails. uh, And he doesn't always in the books. But that's one of the things that he has learned how to do. And he's learned how to do it because of the classical influence in the education of his great-great-great-whatever grandmothers. So, um, yeah, but, but for Ricky, who literally has never known anything else this is a big family tradition for him and the same is true for Wes and Katie who also grew up with this and so Ricky thinks that this is how you do Yule Um, and so (laughs) but it's very difficult when you know um, Katie is the 13th now and so the family cull has started and obviously but you know before 2021 um, and so they're running out of family to do this with (laughs) um and You know, Katie's gone off to uni and she wants to make her own memories away from the family. She wants to make her own traditions and she wants to be independent and all of this. And Carrie's kind of stuck in the middle of having to explain first to Ricky that Katie might not want to do Yule as a family anymore. um, And why that is, because he will not get that. And secondly, she has to explain to Katie why it's really important that for now she does come home from university for the holidays because ricky just won't just will not appreciate her not coming home or her like going to stay with friends or you know so there's there's this kind of tight rope to walk and carrie's a little bit stuck and having to kind of do that so it's a potential flashpoint um (laughs) to navigate so I'm interested to see how that's going to pan out because I don't know um and I also want to know what Katie's university life is like um and I don't know that either so I'm going to explore that through the letters that Carrie's writing um I don't know if it's always going to be Carrie writing letters I think Wes could write some, I think Katie could write some, and it's going to be a a fun chance for me to get into their heads in a first person context as well. And if you want to be a part of that and have that mailed to you, I can post that internationally. So that's okay, um, because your postage there is covered in the cost of the tier. Um, So it's five pounds a month, um, and that's the Eldritch family tier to receive that, plus all of the exclusive things that you get with the three pounds a month tier. Um, which gives you monthly access to all of my exclusive supporter-only Kofi posts. Um, um, That is going to include the hardback exclusive short story Gerald as well. So if you didn't want to get a hardback or you wanted to see it early, um, if you you are a a supporter of mine on Kofi, you will get to see it because I'm posting it on Kofi for you um, in December. So there's that too. So yeah apologies that this uh (laughs) this bonus episode is just me rambling on at you about uh stuff that i'm doing and um updates of of um things coming up but hopefully hopefully it's been useful hopefully you've um got something out of it and you're interested hopefully in um one of those three things so yeah have a great week I will see you on Thursday for the next part of 13th Um, and in December we have um, another author interview coming and um, I'll do a couple of cool bonus episodes as well for you coming up in December and January so stay tuned for those thank you very much for listening a Kofi tip or anything for the podcast be very much appreciated if you didn't want to give monthly but yeah anything you could give be great just to help me with the costs and um, just to keep doing this very much appreciate all of your support bye now <music>